everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tales from a Vet Tech with me, Tabitha Kusera. Today, we are speaking to MBA, BS, CVT, PHR, VTS, and emergency critical care, and just overall awesome person, Kelly Cronin, all about her path in vet med and how she got to where she is today. She wrote a book. She started a vet tech CE cruise. How fun is that? So don't miss out, guys. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited. So I've known Kelly because the vet med world is beautifully or harmfully small, however you'd like to take that. (laughs) I think it's a beautiful community, and I recently spoke at a few conferences, and I finally had the opportunity to meet this amazing lady, and of course, we hit it off immediately. She's my new bestie, and whoa, was she a badass technician. So I had to have her on to talk about all the amazing stuff she's doing, not just as a technician, but for our field as a whole. So to get started, Kelly, I figured we would just start by asking... How did you kind of get to where you are? What's your career path? How did you become a tech? I know you've done quite a lot, so this may be a a heavy loaded question, but I am excited to hear about it. Just like everyone else in the wide, wide world, I fell into it. Um, Just kidding. I mean, I not not just kidding. Like, that's really what happened early on. Huge animal lover. Right. And I definitely didn't put it on my resume because somebody clearly called me back and said, come on in. But um, I got to start volunteering pretty, pretty young at the uh, animal emergency clinic in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Your first volunteer um, position was at an emergency clinic. Yes. What a jump into it. (laughs) Way to, way to have some fun with it. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. And what I'll say is that it, I got bit by the bug. And so pretty early on, I knew that I wanted to be a vet. I knew that I needed to get some volunteer experience. I jumped right into it. I really loved it. And my second volunteer experience turned into a job my second day on the, on the volunteer. So it was definitely, um, you know, it was definitely a thrown into the fire type of situation, but I loved it. And what I'll say as well is that I was going to college, um, after that, uh, in animal sciences to eventually become a veterinarian. And what happened there is that I just, I got into veterinary medicine there and realized that those of us with, um, dyslexia or learning disabilities sometimes don't pass organic chemistry. Um, Everything else is fine. And so that kept me from being a veterinarian. But what it did do is it really allowed me to go down a path that I found out really quickly was way, way more my style. Once I started into the technician world and then, you know, eventually got grandfathered into um, a technician position or a technician license in Alaska and then kind of transferred it around to a few other states, I found out that technicians get to do all of the really cool stuff. And the other thing with that is that it really allowed me so much opportunity because as a technician and as a technician who then moved on to their VTS, I got to be a big fish in a little pond, especially with speaking and getting out to some of these conferences and, you know, just growing who I was in the industry and being able to help people as well. And that was just so much more than what I think I probably would have done as a small animal veterinarian. 
And uh, I will say that it was a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow over all that time, but I've gotten to do so much. And then, you know, I've been able to kind of grow in my position, grow in my position from, you know, from being a technician to a lead technician, realizing as a lead technician that I didn't know nearly enough to actually be a lead technician, didn't know how to hire or fire or give people coaching or anything like that. So I started down a, a really long path of trying to bridge that gap because as we know, right, we take the very, very best technicians on our floor and we make them managers yes. without telling them how to be managers. And that's mm -hmm. two very separate skill sets. And, uh, and so I was just able to grow into that. I realized really quickly that I, I needed to bridge that gap a little bit. So went back to school for my MBA and got a PHR certificate and uh, finished off for my VTS in emergency and critical care. And all of that was just because I thought I was going to be so bored on maternity leave that I had to fill my time. Um, I was not bored. And uh, but now, you know, now I'm down the road and really loving this role of multi-site management that I get to do now. And what led you? So you started volunteering at an emergency clinic. Again, such a Correct. fun jump. We, I think many of us technicians kind of get thrown into things, which is not, let's be honest, the most ideal way to learn, but Hashtag some people no sink or swim, right? Exactly. But some of us do thrive and it does help to I don't like the word resiliency, but it does help us kind of <laughs> uh, down the path because I've had that happen to me. But did you then only work in emergency? Is that what kind of led you to making the choice to work towards your VTS? So I'll say I jumped around quite a bit. Um, I, I got an emergency bug early, mm -hmm. early on. And what I'll, what I'll add to that is the fact that emergency is a really fast way to learn all the things. Because honestly, in emergency, it's you or it's no one, right? And right. there's a lot of times where you just get fast-tracked in terms of the things that you can learn and in terms of just the level of skills that you're actually exposed to. And I had the I had the very opportune comment made to me at one point in time, be the dumbest person in the room. And so really what you're thinking about there, and that's maybe a crass way of saying it, but making sure that you're always putting yourself in a place that stretches you. I've I've also heard it say, you know, pick pick five people around you that are smarter than you at all times, right? And I think that there's something to be said for that, like just making sure that you're in a job that challenges you so that it can be a career instead of a job. No, I, I 100% agree. My, I think it makes me think of something my personal trainer says with running. Always sign up for a race that you you that will challenge you. If you know you'll do it, then why are you doing the race? Yeah, <laughs> which sounds sounds counterproductive, but uh, it's. It helps to humble you. And again, if anyone says they know everything, that's a huge red flag run. But I think, I mean, I was talking about this. I think we talked about this at the conference, but it's so easy, even in emergency or at a general practice, to get tunnel vision. And, or to get complacent. Yeah, or to get complacent. And that could be really dangerous. But also we suffer because we're not enjoying our careers like why did you become a vet tech do you still feel that excitement and that love i do most days because we're human guys um so I, I i think that that is great advice i'm going to take that dumbest person in the room i'm going to 
take it in. I love it. I'm going to start using it. I'm going to borrow it from you. Credit to Kelly. Um, no, thank Angel Rivera many, oh, many yes. years ago. Yep. <laughs> you were all learning from each other. So I know you worked in emergency and that kind of led you to, like you said, hey, you're an amazing technician. Can you lead other technicians? So then again, us perfectionists, veterinary professionals, you're like, I'll just get my MBA, and <laughs> which I love. And could you tell me a little bit about the position you're in now? Absolutely. So I'm currently a multi-site manager for emergency and specialty centers at National Veterinary Associates, just just had a name rebranding to Ethos Veterinary Specialists. And so um, I love my role very, very, very much. I get to be kind of a man of all work. Um, I get to help them with their PIM system. I get to help them with their move, uh, upcoming move. We're moving from a 17,000 square foot facility to a 41,000 square foot facility, just all kinds of great things on the horizon. And occasionally they even let me work a shift. So once in a while, you'll see me on an ER overnight shift, wondering if I still know how to place a catheter. But it's just a, a blast being able to utilize kind of everything that I've really come into contact with. You know, I get to talk about inventory, which I love. I get to talk about best practices in medicine. I get to look over SOPs, like every part of the position that I loved as a technician, I get to utilize all of those things. But I also have career pathing and growth and an opportunity to really, you know, to to rise in the ranks as well. And and that's been really, really amazing. And then the other thing with that is that I've had this really incredible opportunity to actually help those around me rise in the ranks as well. We got to create a, a program called the Aspiring Leader Program, which actually targets people who are in middle management who potentially one day might either want to be a managing MDVM or potentially a, a hospital manager at one of our sites. So really just making sure that, you know, we have that pipeline so that people don't leave the field for other bigger opportunities and making sure that we have that pipeline so that people feel that movement and so that we support them in that movement so that it's not that, you know, that drop them into the role and see that they, you know, that they need a ton of uh, help along the way. And then we've all been in that situation where someone's promoted to management, they aren't set up for success. They're not given the skills. And then we see a huge break in the whole team dynamic. Yes. So it's, it's, it, everyone struggles and the animals usually struggle too. And it's just, so I love that you are talking about, cause you lost me in inventory, but someone's got to be into it. And I love that <laughs> Kelly is, um, but I do love me some SOPs. I joked at a lecture recently, you need to make this t-shirt. Um, that we need to start making SOPs sexy because they are sexy guys. SOPs are sexy. So, SOPs are sexy, dude. And I, I'm like, I, because I work at a lot of animal welfare organizations too. And I'm a nerd about SOPs for handling, which are essentially never, never a thing at most places. <laughs> um, so yeah, we need to make SO, maybe I'll call this podcast episode SOPs are sexy. People will be like, what? Uh, <laughs> What I'll say is that when we're creating all these training programs, too, if you're not creating an SOP for the things that you want done the exact same every single time, and you're if you're not linking that to the skill in your skill sets, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Because honestly, if you're holding someone to a standard that you want the same every single time and you don't create an SOP, it's on you, my friends. Or let, let, we've all talked about 
where, for example, there's assistants, vet tech, CSRs, we're all amazing, but no one, there's no clear, as a behavior person, right? There's no clear criteria for each position. And so the poor staff members don't even know what they're supposed to do. And that creates, of course, pretty intense tension throughout the staff. And then, like you said, we're kind of setting them up to fail because, hey, I want you to do this, but I'm not going to show you how to do it and just assume you could read my mind or assume that, hey, because you went to tech school. The fun thing about vet med is there's a lot of correct ways to do things and every animal is an individual and we have to critically think. So SOPs are a great starting point, like you said, to kind of start the team off for success, but also to kind of lay a foundation in which they can easily critically think in the future. Because if they don't have a foundation and they're completely winging it and we're not setting them up, it's almost impossible, really. It almost feels like you were in one of my lectures. In one of my lectures, I have a PowerPoint that says, <laughs> that says I don't need a training program because all of my, all of my hires are LVTs and other fairy tales. Oh, and it's yeah. just my favorite slide in the whole PowerPoint. Because let's face it, like one tech school to another is not the exact same. And one practice to another, right? We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't train someone on how to do something as to how your practice wants it done, you've done them a huge disservice. You you know, it's it's not a situation where we want to tell someone that they're doing something wrong. Let's tell them how to do it right. Yes. Let's focus as a positive reinforcement trainer. Let's focus on the behaviors we want. Because just saying no, 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 whether you're talking to a dog or a human as you can imagine, it's pretty daunting. frustrating. Daunting. That's hella bullshit. No, it is. It is hella bullshit. I agree. Um, and along with all your leadership and amazing technician skills, you are also really into, like you mentioned, helping our colleagues grow and a big part of that, man. And I think something that is something that we're all working towards, but it is a pretty significant problem where a lot of veterinary technicians and other veterinary support staff kind of feel stuck. Like, I don't care what career field you have. If you feel like you're not being challenged and there's no opportunity for growth, it is appropriate and understandable why you would leave the field. Exactly. Uh, so I love that you kind of were like, this is my thing. This is a huge gap in vet med. How can I fill it? And you've like gone above and beyond. So I know you are really into resume reviewing, professional growth, and even, guys, I told her she needs to talk to me after the podcast because we all have our strengths and this is not mine, financial fitness. So guilty, guilty how, as charged. <laughs> but no one's, it's interesting because we were talking about this over alcohol. Um, <laughs> that's not really discussed no. a lot. And even in high schools, what we're not taught how to check our, like, what is, I don't even know what's called, guys, balance or checkbooks. This is what I'm saying. Um, we're not taught any of those things, but we're, even as an 18 year old, I was having credit cards shoved down my throat, which is resulting in a lot of pretty, in all fields. Um, so I know this is a heavy question, but I know you got so many, if you had to give the beautiful listeners out there two or three of your favorite tips on resume review, professional growth and financial fitness, what would you recommend or say? Absolutely. Can I take them separate? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Okay. Start with uh, resume review. Resume review. Guys, don't make me dig through a resume for all the good stuff. Put all of the good stuff up front. Now, maybe that's a ton of experience on your part, right? 
or maybe that's a ton of skills, but you don't have as much experience. Whatever that looks like, make sure it goes on the front at the very top. Don't make me dig. Guys, double check that your, um, that your email is correct, that your phone number is correct. You know how easy this is? You can actually make them clickable links in your PDF or clickable links in your Microsoft Word document. And if you click on them and they appropriately work, you know that they're right. How fun is that? The last, <laughs> actually, I, I need two more. I'm so sorry. No, keep it going. Before, I love it. One more is make sure that you have a professional email address because sexy legs front legs wigs is not okay on any resume. I'm so sorry about this, but I am just not going to, I'm not going to call you back if you have, you know, Derek is really fun as a, as an email. I'm not going to share my email from when I was like 18 to 24 because without context, but oh, it was an angsty girl. goth, angsty nineties goth email guys. It was, it was, <laughs> it was rough. It was real rough. <laughs> So I love that you brought, because I can see someone not, understandably, maybe think not about thinking it. about that. That's a great point. But guys, Gmail is free. Create one with your name. It should not be this hard. And then just check it. Shockingly, you have to check it. <laughs> and uh, and use LinkedIn because it is a, an actually active, you know, in the moment type of email or a resume that can just live out there forever. Last but not least, guys, really think about the idea of um, making sure that someone actually reviews it. So making sure that you put it through Grammarly, making sure that somebody reads it over and provide it in a couple different formats so that when somebody doesn't have a PDF, PDF viewer that they can easily access it, whether it be on their phone or something, because hiring managers are on the go. They just need to be able to get into what you send them. And I love 25 tips. No, I love it. And you mentioned (laughs) Grammarly, which I am familiar with, thankfully. But for people who aren't familiar with Grammarly, guys, it's an amazing resource. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Grammarly is a free app that you can put on your computer, you can put on your phone, and it will not only check your spelling, but it will also give you alternatives and it will tell you if your grammar is wrong. And it tells you if you're slipping from one tense to another. Can't tell you how many times I'm reading through a resume and it goes, did, does. does oh my gosh it drives me insane so honestly grammarly is probably the best free thing that i've ever paid for i use it in emails and oh my god it's it saves me i i just found out about it i think last year so i i'm i'm fairly new to it and it's been now does it frustrate me sometimes because it highlights all the words it does it does but you it get better not using your words, right? Yeah, my writing skills, because I used to use my partner reviews. Bless him, guys. Uh, <laughs> he reviews a lot of I write a lot of articles. I write a lot of content and I'm on the go. I'm very busy. And he reviews all my stuff. And I use the word the you guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just things that you didn't think about. So now I don't do it anymore. But Grammarly between him, people reviewing it and Grammarly think I'm thankful for all my friends. I literally had a friend review a PowerPoint with me today because we all have imposter syndrome. Um, So I know it's a it's a great resource. So awesome tips about resume review. Very practical. How about professional growth, which this one, all of these things apply that we're talking about, but some of your favorite tips. My absolute, absolute favorite one is you're never going to get something you didn't ask for. Facts. Never hurts to ask. Yes. Here's the thing. Every once in a while, somebody asks me, you know, how do you grow into XYZ position? Half of the clinics that I've ever grown into a position at 
didn't have the position before I started. Create the opportunity. I have created so many of my, that sounds silly, but I've created so many of my, Mm -hmm. because I see gaps that are huge that no one's addressing or very few people are. And then it becomes, it wasn't meant to be my niche. Like cats are my thing. And it was not on purpose. It's just so few people are doing, yep. you know, and then you find what you love. And it's just if you're unsure whether it's a nutrition coaching program or a hospice, we had one technician who did a hosp- a beautiful hospice program at her vet hospital. There's so many opportunities and, and we need you guys and your creativity and your skills. And that's the whole thing is that we're getting to a point now in veterinary medicine where all of these niches really come into play and we're able to do so much more. And beyond that, our teams are recognizing how much more is going on as well. And so it's just a really, really nice time to be in veterinary medicine because we have so many opportunities and what opportunities aren't there, we can create for ourselves, right? And guys, that's the other professional tip that I would share is just come in with information. If you want to raise if you want a different position, if you want to move up in your career, no matter what it is, come in with the information. So there's something called the Bureau of Labor Management. You can go ahead and look up what the wage standards in your area are. Remember that that's about a year or two behind us. So you have to do a little bit of inflation work with those numbers. But if you want to raise, come in with those numbers. If you have something printed out black and white in front of you, you You don't think that that's going to be more impactful than coming to someone and saying, well, if not, I'm going to go down the street. You don't ever want to hold them hostage. You want to make sure that they're working with you to create a a compensation package that's appropriate to what you do. Essentially selling yourself, which sell yourself. It's it's a very real. It's just I sell myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being a genuinely nice person who's well educated and continues to learn. But I am using that to sell myself. And it's about approaching it not as what you need, but about right. what you're worth. Because honestly, you know, we create the needs ourselves, right? We buy the house that's maybe too expensive. We buy the car that's maybe too expensive. You know, we uh, live in an expensive place or whatever that might look like. And so we have to really think about for this area, because we live in an expensive area, these people are getting paid more because of cost of living. And so when we look on that Bureau of Labor Management, we're able to see that, hey, these people are being paid more because we're in a high cost of living. And we're able to say, hey, I am worth more because of this, or I'm worth more because of my license, or I'm worth more because of X, Y, Z. All right, one more, and I promise I will move on to the next one. No, I will listen forever, Kelly. Oh my gosh, go. (laughs) The last one that I'm going to tell you is that you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready to start vet school. You're never going to be ready to start tech school. You're never going to be ready to start your VTS. I don't care what it is. You are never going to be ready. Life is always going to get busier. So here's the thing. If you're saying that, hey, I can't do this because right now I'm struggling for cash, 100%, but you don't think that correcting that by going to tech school and getting a bump in pay is going to help? Or, you know, you might say, hey, I might not be ready because, you know, my kids are too young. I guarantee you when they're in high school and you're running around taking them to soccer practice, you're going to think to yourself, I should have done it back then. There is just never going to be a point where you feel 100% on point for whatever you're doing. So do it now. I love that. And I think there's all those like cliche sayings out there, but they're 
They're great. I love all those pep talk sayings, affirmations. I call them pep talks, whatever you'd like to say, where if you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you're doing it wrong, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think I've put myself, it's interesting because I've put myself in uncomfortable situations or outside of my comfort zone so often, but I've my learning history, I'm so reinforced over the years now that I'm like, it's it's not even a challenge anymore. I could just walk up to any, well, I'm also very extroverted, but still I, I know, I understand I have that benefit, but we are those people. Yes. We are very (laughs) similar. High energy extroverts. Yay. Who love that med, but also are humans and sometimes are frustrated with it, but are trying to make it better. Um, which I think that's the biggest thing. Like you can be frustrated about something. You can be frustrated about a program at work or about a policy at work, but instead of just, which venting is very healthy to an extent, other people may not agree with me. I think it is. Let's not do the toxic positivity parties, but come up with some solutions, some, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this, or I would love to talk to you about this. This is a practical way we could start with just this one step. Or like you said, providing evidence. Hey, this isn't me just saying I'm great, which you are, but this isn't me just saying I'm great. Give me a raise. This is me providing all of this evidence and these points. Like, I love that thing that you mentioned about looking at the, like, what is the regular pay in your area? Because that I'm in Ohio. Cost of living is, which is why I'm here. Um, it's very affordable. Yep. Compared to like Portland mm-hmm. and the technicians in Portland should be making more money than I am. 100%. From an hourly perspective or a salary perspective, because mm-hmm. it's a lot more expensive to live there. So I think that those are all really great points. And what a great segue to one of my least favorite things. Um, <laughs> you guys, I know I'm a business owner. I'm getting better. Uh, but she financial probably. fitness, <laughs> you don't learn about this at all. And it's it's really overwhelming. And then you feel like you're always... I grew up fairly in the poverty line. Um, so like, sometimes it just feels like you're, you're stuck. And obviously there's lots of context, but what are some of your favorite tips for just financial fitness? I mean, the biggest thing is to keep in mind that as a veterinary technician or as a veterinary personnel, no matter what your role is, you know, the fact that we haven't made a million dollars, right? The fact that we've never had inflated pay is actually a superpower. So I know a lot of us are like, oh my gosh, we never are going to make anything. Here's the thing. We have learned how to survive on very, very little, right? We're all really resourceful. If you ever go on one of those technical forums and you see somebody talking about all the side hustles that they have going on, like we in veterinary medicine are flipping geniuses as to different things that we can do. Now, the big thing that I want you guys to think about is how to really gamify your life going forward and how to make those little incremental changes. One of the things that I like to say is just grow the gap. So make sure that when you have an increase in your earnings, don't increase your spending to go along with it. Live on live on the means that you've learned to live on so that you can keep growing the gap. And what happens with that gap is that gap gets invested. And when we're thinking about this, the biggest thing to keep in mind is that if you have whole market, safely balanced investments, and that sounds really complicated, but I promise you it's not. (laughs) If you have that, you will over time have a doubling of your money every 10 years, just based on market growth. And so when we're thinking about this, guys, the biggest thing that we can do 
is figure out where we can cut things that are not visibly adding happiness to our life and where we can make sure that we're running on a budget and that we're creating an emergency fee fund, not an emergency fee. <laughs> and, and just create that situation where we're paying ourselves continually into an investment of some sort. And we can do this in a lot of different ways. You know, there are a lot of different ways to arbitrage what we do. One of the things that I, I personally love doing is rental arbitrage. So when I bought a house, I bought a house with several different living areas, A, because it made it significantly cheaper, right? So I got a giant, giant house for almost nothing because it has divided living areas, three different living areas. B, because I didn't have to pay any kind of child care because of the fact that I could move my parents into the first floor. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about that on a whole nother podcast, but and then, you know, see, my renter actually pays for my entire mortgage and has since I've owned this house. And so when we think about things like this, you know, it's just a way to gamify my life. Now, maybe that doesn't work for you, right? Maybe you're in such a high cost of living area that you can't do anything but rent. But then, you know, there's other alternatives. There's ADUs or accessory dwelling units where, you know, a tiny house goes in someone's backyard and you get that autonomy of living separately, but it's a lower rent. or you guys are going to think I'm completely nutballs, but uh, we are in the process of remodeling a mid-sized school bus in order to live out of that so that we have some travel, um, you know, travel freedom associated with taking our house everywhere with us. You know, there's just a lot of ways to think outside the box and really do that. I know a technician who does nothing but house and pet sit, and she doesn't have a primary residence. She actually just goes from Pets it to pets it to pets it to pets it. And she even gets paid for some of that. And there's just so many ways to think about doing things like that to really give you that freedom. Um, certainly the same thing goes, you know, for pet sitting and potentially getting some vacations elsewhere as well. There's really no cheaper way to go on vacation than to go, you know, pet sit for somebody's special needs dog that can't be alone for more than three seconds. You know, take them with you on a nice walk on the beach. Yeah, that's... I. <laughs> did the business opportunity for vet tax lecture. And I, I, I said, guys, I'm desperately seeking pet sitters yeah. uh, because I see a lot of patients or cats and dogs with either chronic medical issues, which include behavioral health issues. Mm -hmm. And it would be so helpful. And I also know amazing trainers who reach out, who live in these like, legit if i didn't work so much i would take the they'll have you they live on the beach and they're like because i just i love kids but animals are the new kids in our society right now so as well as amazing kids but they would they would pay i have tons of amazing trainer friends who would pay your flight mm -hmm. i mean all of it because it's this is a big deal just like you guys love your animals i love my animals and Especially it's, we definitely would never recommend just, Hey, go to rover.com or yes, I am dissing it. I am okay with it. Um, cause there's no like regulations that you could just, and pet sitting is a very serious thing. So I think, like you said, that kind of goes back to creating opportunities, which I joke, but Melody Martinez, who is an amazing technician said when we were chatting about opportunities for vet tech, she's like, just like you just said in the beginning of the the podcast, vet techs, our jobs are really cool because we're we're almost taught to do everything. Yes. 
And those skills, communication, medical skills, kind of critically thinking in the moment, immediately making do with what you have, whether it's financially or what you have in your clinic, because we've all been there. I've vaccinated animals in closets. So at rescues, not in clinics. I should give that context because <laughs> you guys will be like, what, Tabitha? Uh, so I think that those are some great resources. And as far as financial fitness, this is me asking selfishly as well, because this is something that I have a negative conditioned emotional response to for a variety <laughs> of reasons. And a big part of it is lack of resources and lack of even when I've gone to seek resources for financial help or not as far as getting money, but just learning more about it. I feel really limited. Do you have any favorite books or resources? Of course, you have amazing lectures about it as well, which I highly recommend. But do you have any other favorite resources for techs or all of our beautiful animal welfare professionals out there to learn a little bit more about financial fitness? One of my absolute favorites, absolute, absolute favorites is called Choose FI, short for Choose Financial Independence. If you want to hear a little bit more about me and our our um, vacation rental business or any of that nonsense, they do have an episode that they did with me, which is amazing. Oh, I'm totally going to listen to it. But they actually provide a completely free financial education. So it is geared to whatever age that you might be. So there's actually school kid um, appropriate financial education. So if you want to give your kids a better financial background than you had, that's great. My daughter did it and she now thinks that she has a huge plan. She is going to go to school in France for free because her school promotes, um, you know, French, yeah, French school for free. And, uh, and if you take the Delft test and get a certain score, you get free college. And so she's got that all planned out. She's already taken a couple tests. She's on her way. And then she is going to use her school money to actually put a down payment on a house and then invite people to, um, come rent from her so that she can have a paid off house by the time she's done with college. Amazing. Right. Your daughter is a badass though. She's a pretty badass. Yeah, she would not have gotten there had we not done some of that financial education. Now, that is for her age group, but there is financial education for whatever age group or whatever, you know, realm you're in. And the nice thing about that is that it's really very palatable as opposed to the dry stuff that maybe you'd see out about, right? And I think, honestly, the biggest thing to, to really take home about getting started with it is is knowing thyself, right? So just knowing what you spend your money on. What I'll tell you is that I am a lazy, lazy financial education mm-hmm. person. And so I could not in a million years balance that checkbook like a normal person. I actually use apps to bring in all of the things that I spend money on and um, and apps to control, you know, where all my money goes and to tell me where my net worth is. And I know that it sounds really, really difficult because, you know, we are so used to just not making a ton and to be paycheck to paycheck. But it is so easy to look at it and find some places where you might have a little bit of wiggle room. And guys, honestly, it's it's about thinking outside the box again, too. Right. Like there is a, a way of carpooling or potentially set offsetting your schedule with someone else so that you don't have as many days of childcare, or. Um, you know, creating a pool of of different technicians who get together to do a vacation together um, in order to bring down costs. There's just 
there's really good ways of really making sure that A, you're not spending money on stuff that you don't need, don't want, and doesn't make you happy. And B, that you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything, to quote Paula Pant, who is another one of my very favorite um, places to learn a little bit about money. Now, outside of that, guys, there are so many good things out there. Um, Chooseify is, is one of my favorite. If you guys want something that's a little bit more millennial focused, there's Millennial Money. They're great, really entertaining to listen to. Um, there's a gal named Jamila who does just an absolute amazing job of going through how to get household finances under order. There's just so much out there. And anyone who wants more is really, really welcome to reach out to me and I will load you up. Ooh, I'm excited. I am, because I have recognized that I get a little overwhelmed with money and then I shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've, I am a business owner, so I've had to learn healthy habits as far as just like with anything, right? How can I manage this? I have an accountant. I am aware of what I'm not good at. So I seek out people like you <laughs> to... <laughs> Uh, so I'm totally going to check out those podcasts and that website um, to learn more because I think it's so easy to just not for to kind of not think about and become stressed about. But there are because me and my partner talk about it all the time. We're like, we really should <laughs> do this or this. And we've also since the pandemic, I think a lot of us had that kind of revelation of we want to live life more. Um, yep. And I'm. I'm I used to always be the idea of traveling like outside the country just seemed for rich people <laughs> like again my my narrative that I created and then I actually started doing some research and I'm like if I plan correctly this is really affordable and I'm working on getting speaking gigs outside the country as well so you're the system 100%. yeah I love gamifying that makes it sound so fun that's actually how I, how and why I got into speaking in veterinary medicine was just because I like free vacations and, uh, and that's how that goes. And I think that's a pretty amazing segue into talking about vet tech life and using yes. money towards extra, extra travel. Um, so we just launched last night and I'm Woo super excited, Yay! but there is a very limited enrollment. We only have 150 spots. So jump now, jump hard, jump fast, and get on board. And what I'll say is that um, those who have gone on this CE cruise, which is targeted at veterinary technicians, I've had a couple questions. Yes, veterinarians, you can join us. But, you know, there is no saying that we won't make fun of you a little bit at dinner for making a mess. Um, and partners can come along as well. They don't count towards that 150 mark. So more the better for the partners coming along or kids coming along. I don't care. Bring them all. It's so much fun. Um, we've even had people bring emotional support animals and, uh, and, uh, uh, service animals yes. along with on the, on the time. So we, uh, we definitely enjoy having a big bevy of folks in, in the sea cruise, uh, lineup, but we will be announcing, you know, announcing our speakers and our topics soon. And right now we know that we're going to Jamaica and Haiti from the 21st through the 25th of, or 21st through the 26th of January. And uh, just so excited for Vet Tech Life CE on the Sea. And when did that start? Because I'm 16. So 2016. And 
you were probably just thinking, because again, this is what we amazing veterinary professionals do. Uh, we're, you're like, I love learning because we do, but we also love hanging out with each other. We are rejuvenated. We find things that we love. We get excited about vet med again, but also we are supported and validated by our colleagues and friends, which is why CE is so dang important. Um, right. and, and also to stay relevant, of course, and all that lovely stuff. But what got you kind of just like, hey, I'm going to do CE on a boat. <laughs> so I had been on my first cruise ever. And I thought, man, this is just the bomb. And I started yeah. looking for CE on cruises to potentially pitch myself to. And there weren't <laughs> any. Um, by yeah. then, Tom, Tom Catazaro was not doing his CE on the cruises anymore. And so, you know, there just wasn't anything out there. And so I reached out in a forum and Moira, who used to own Vet Tech Life, God bless her, <laughs> said, you know, we're planning a CE cruise. Would you like to help plan it? And uh, that was the end of that. You know, after that, I just, you know, and beyond that, she's been an amazing mentor to put together such an incredible event. And um, and this year I'll be doing it uh, solo. However, I will say that she's continued to advise me. Thank goodness. <laughs> so we are off to an amazing start. And I really I can't say enough about it. I'm super, super excited about it. Oh, no, it sounds super. I've never been on a cruise, but it definitely sounds amazing. And I love the right. I, (laughs) I hope me and Kelly were chatting. Uh, (laughs) uh, So but I love that idea, because I think just CE in general, of course, we're both nerds, we probably do hundreds of hours of CE, but I meet so many animal professionals. I mean, unfortunately, in animal welfare, I feel like they aren't being even offered the opportunity, which is a whole nother podcast, which because I think it's very horrible and problematic. Um, because it they really want to learn animal welfare professionals are amazing. But also in vet med where we need those credits to keep our licenses up. I think so many people think conferences are boring. And then I'm like, guys, you guys don't know, but Kelly took it to another level. And threw in some alcohol, beautiful views, stops in Jamaica, like, yep, you're a genius. That that is very smart. I think that all CE should involve doing a vets against insanity in the hot tub over some mimosas. No, right? I agree. I agree. I think we all create those connections and meet and drink and hang out. But also, I know for people, it maybe. I remember going to my first vet conference and even as the most extroverted person, you could feel shy and out of place. So I think both of us agree that it's really important to create these environments where we're supporting and uplifting each other and helping people feel comfortable, even if they have some social anxiety or uh, again, they may just be introverted or it could be scary going to a, a new place, even even though learning is very exciting. So I I think that that's such a wonderful, there's only 160 spots, like she said, and it just went live today, but we'll have the link to learn more. And then you can always get on the email list, right, Kelly, for future events. Is it once every year? It has been once every (laughs) other year. Every other year? A conference is a lot. It's a lot of planning. A little bit more yearly, for sure. That is a, a good goal. And then also, among all the other amazing things you've done, you've wrote, you wrote a book. Yes. So I think that that's a really great resource 
especially for our leaders and management out there. Could you share a little bit more about that? Sure can. It's called In the Middle, and you can get it on Amazon or you can get it on something called Lulu Press if you want to pay a little bit less for it. And it is all about moving from that technician role into a technician middle management role. And I wrote it because I just, I got elevated into a lead technician role and realized I knew nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And I think that part of that was just putting together resources that I could use personally and then realizing that those resources needed to happen for someone else. And so it just, it came into a life of its own and really, you know, we tried to, tried to make it very light as well by having a couple of, of explanatory stories in it as well. So uh, hopefully it's entertaining and, and beyond that, very, very useful for you. I might nerd out and listen to it. I think, or watch, or watch it, read it. <laughs> read it. <laughs> I know, guys, I like audible stuff, okay? I'm an audible girl. Oh, sorry, my... it's not audible. <laughs> it's okay. So Kelly's going to just record it for me. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like nighttime, nighttime stories with Kelly, the badass vet tech. I love it. That's a new thing that you can no. add onto your, <laughs> onto your list. I love it. So obviously you are amazing. You have so many awesome resources, which we will be sharing in the show notes. And I'm sure you have other things that you are thinking about. I feel like that's the fun thing about vet med. Like I literally spoke to a colleague this morning and I was like, there's a gap. Let's do that. <laughs> so we're writing a workshop together um, because there are guys, like Kelly mentioned, a lot of the things she's doing and a lot of things I've done, there were gaps. So we were just like, either that's our skill set or we're going to learn that skill set and fill that gap or we're going to collab with other people to fill that gap. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from from this interview with you is that, of course, there are options to help us with management with financial fitness, but also there's a lot of niches out there, guys. And it's, it still blows my mind how many gaps there are. <laughs> like well, and that's the whole thing is the more that that med, you know, comes into the 20th century, right? the more that we're going to have different things that we notice, Hey, that we could do a little bit better because in human medicine, a lot of these things already exist. Yeah. Right. Even the nurse practitioner practitioner role and, and some of those types of growth into roles, you know, we really don't have things like that. So we're going to continue to grow. Just look at how many VTSs are getting added every single year. Woo, woo. That's yeah. And I know a lot of people are interested in becoming a VTS. And um, Kelly and I are, are huge, huge supporters and happy to help you if you want to learn more. Because I understand how sometimes, from my personal experience, how discouraging and impossible it may feel. Um, it feels like too much, but it's yes. not, I promise. <laughs> and if you can find good mentors, which the more I'm in vet med and the more I put myself out there, essentially, the more amazing, supportive people I meet. But like you mentioned, I think a big part of that is putting yourself out there and asking. And of course, there's going to be situations where the person might not email you back, but that's not about you. They might have just got it. They might be too busy. It never hurts to throw yourself out there or to ask a question or whatever, put yourself out there in, in any way. Like I'm going to, I have so, my colleague or she's one of my best friends. She felt stuck at her general practice and she wanted to do, she was a surgical tech and she wanted to start doing some CRIs and some other things, which is very applicable in GP. 
And she worked at this clinic for years and she expressed her need and solutions like this is some ways we can start this. And they were not very open to that. So she felt she again, it wasn't personal. She felt she reached her her growth there. Just like my partner always says, like he works in IT and he's like. They they're they're they've grown out of this position. They found another position. Like, why is this even personal? Like he yes. he just does it. And I'm like, yes, that's how it should be in vet med. So she was super fearful and afraid and had imposter syndrome like all of us. And she applied to a specialty clinic for an ICU tech and she got the job and she would have, she almost talked herself out of just applying. Yeah. And now she works in cardiology and guys, she found who would have thought, who would have thunk it? She loves hearts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'll be honest, like four years ago, if you told me I'd be doing what I'd be doing. And if she said I'd be like, working in cardiology and thinking about a VTI, we both would have been like, no way. So I'm sure a lot of you have stories that are very similar, but I really thank you for kind of reminding us to put yourselves out there, guys. Um, If you need a little bit of a tribe, guys, there is a Facebook page that I started called Veterinary Technicians Specialty Candidates and Applicants. And if you search- Oh, I know that group. I didn't know you started it. Oh, 100%. Oh my gosh. Oh, see guys, small world. That's so funny. <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun. Now, if you have specific questions about applying to something, please, please, please reach out to the academy. But if you need a place where you just need a little pat on the back or you need to ask a question of people who've applied before, like please come on over. We're we're supportive and we love everyone. Yes, we can all learn from each other. I learn a lot during the process of the the group that I had during my BTS testing process and then also from other colleagues and BTSs. So thank you for mentioning that. And lastly, I always like to ask, because you have some healthy work-life balance. What? Um, it's possible. I know. We're all learning. We're all learning that. that Because again, I think we use that word, but I, I think everyone defines it differently. So it's really challenging to say it's not as simple as 50-50, which I think sometimes people simplify it to that extent. And I'm like, that is too complex. But um, I always like to ask my guests, what is something that currently makes them happy? This could be you right, like opening, starting registration for your amazing cruise CE, badass. Or it could be your amazing kid. I've only heard a small amount about her and she sounds like I'm so impressed. <laughs> I would say that normally I would answer my super amazing paleontologist, princess, archaeologist. <laughs> yes, she's a, you know, my little ninja. She's, oh, I she's love it. incredible. Um, however, she is currently at school, so I, I can't go there right at the moment. But we have vacation rentals in a couple of completely crazy off-grid places. Again, saving half your income, investing it in things that are going to grow it. And uh, if anyone has questions about that stuff, let me help you. I'm super happy to get someone started. Oh, remember that thing we were talking about over drinks that you should start doing? Did you forget? Are we talking about travel hacking or are we talking We were talking about... about retreats. Oh, yes. Yes. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. We'll get on that. We'll get yeah, right cause... on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wellness retreats can be really generic, toxic positivity, blah. 
But also I feel like with your amazing rentals, I'm being selfish now. And we could come <laughs> up with some really cool stuff. But anyways, continue. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I really love in Vieques, Puerto Rico, we have a little place called the Vieques Sea House. And when I turn on the ring camera, there's usually wild horses walking through our yard. Amazing. Need to do something about the fence. But until then, I get to enjoy the, the nice, they're all Pasifino wild horses walking through our yard. That's amazing. I'm going to have to like next time we Zoom, you're going to have to let me look in the ring. 100%. <laughs> I've never seen wild horses. Isn't that mental? You've never seen wild horses? I've never wild seen horses. wild horses. Hmm. Oh, go on our website, croninscastles.com, oh. and you will see some pictures of wild horses because they're everywhere in Puerto Rico. And, and I will check out yeah, some of those spaces because next year I want to travel a lot. Not that I love traveling for work, which I am doing a lot more of, but I also want to travel outside of work-related things. Both. Well, so then our, our Alaska dome home should be done. I've always wanted to go to Alaska. <laughs> Well, and this one's pretty fun. It's got a 360-degree windowed um, uh, lofted bedroom. How do you so come you up can... with all of these ideas? Is it your partner? Is it you? Are, are you consulting with somebody? I find super cute random places for no money, and then I talk people into giving them to me on buyer <laughs> financing, on seller financing, so that I don't have to pay anything. And then we do a remodel and make them into incredible little places like a dome home in Alaska. With a 360 degree windowed uh, upstairs loft, so you can lay in bed and watch the northern lights, or watch the moose in the yard. As the wildlife there, that's that's uh, of course you're probably not surprised. That's why I want, not the snow, but the wildlife <laughs> and nature. Have you ever seen a pika? No. Okay, anyone who is listening to this, <laughs> because I know you all love things as much as I do, need to look up pikas. They're like um, they're right like ROSs from the uh, the Princess Bride. And they're just these little round things with like these tiny little heads and they, you know, run around with flowers in their mouth and they're pikas. P -I -K. Oh my God, they're so cute, guys. I just Googled. <laughs> and oh. if you, if you go near our house in Kasilof, Alaska, and you go to Hatcher's Pass, you will see the pikas. They're so or just check out our check out our Facebook page. I post pictures of Pika's comps. Ooh, I'm totally gonna follow. Ah, oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for everything you're doing for the field, for just being a great fucking person. I'm so stoked that we connected, and of course, we hit it off. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge with my listeners. Anytime. This was so much fun. Such a wonderful conversation with Kelly and so many great tips. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode and extra shout out. I've spoke at five to six conferences in the last four to six weeks, and it's been so wonderful meeting so many amazing animal welfare, behavior, and veterinary professionals. And thank you for sharing love about either the work I do, the podcast. I really appreciate it. And it's been so great meeting all of you.